Good morning. Our first reading is from Genesis. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. The word of the Lord. We will read responsibly Psalm 32. Happy are they whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sin is put away. Happy are they whose While I held my tongue, my bones withered away because of my groaning all day long. For your was heavy upon me, day and night. My moisture dried up as the Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my guilt. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Then you forgave me the guilt of my sin. Therefore, all the faithful will make their prayers to you in time of trouble. When the great waters overflow, they shall not reach them. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will direct you with my do not be like horse or mule, which have no understanding, who must be fitted with bit and bridle, or else they will not stay near you. Be glad, you righteous, and rejoice in the Lord. Shout for joy, all who are true of heart. The second reading is from Romans. Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all because all have sinned, sin was indeed in the world before the law. But sin is not reckoned when there is no law. Yet, de yet death exercised dominion from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, 
abounded for the many. And the free gift is not like the effect of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. If, because of the one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. The word of the Lord. this first Sunday in Lent is the Gospel according to St. Matthew. We are in chapter 4. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. And the devil said to Jesus, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of our Lord. again and welcome. I'd like you to keep that gospel lesson handy, if you would. We will be looking today at the story of the temptation of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied among you all in the knowledge of God and of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
In Matthew chapter 3, as you may recall, Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Later here in chapter 4, the Lord calls his first disciples and begins his earthly ministry. Well, between the baptism on the one hand and the call of those first disciples on the other is today's story. This 40-day period Jesus spent in the wilderness, fasting and praying, being tempted by Satan. I'd like to look closely at the three temptations identified for us in this story. And I'd like us to see how those very same temptations are daily realities for each and every one of us. So, temptation number one. Take this rock, said Satan, and turn it into a loaf of bread. Jesus, of course, was fasting. And it says quite plainly that he was famished. Not just hungry, mind you, but famished. And I could take a bit of time here to maybe explain fasting in the Bible and what all Jesus hoped to accomplish by it. That can wait for another day. Suffice to say that fasting was and is an important spiritual discipline, and there is much to be gained by it. Well, Jesus here is in the middle of a fast, and seeing it through to the end mattered to him spiritually. And if something matters to you spiritually, then you should know without asking that Satan is going to show up and he's going to do his very best to get in the way. Just one stone, said Satan. Take it, just one stone. Make just one little loaf of bread. Come on, you're hungry. It won't hurt anything. Just this once. How many students taking an important test have ever been tempted to cheat? Just this once. April 15 is coming. Tax time. To fudge. Only a little. No one will ever know. Just this once. Those who struggle with food those who struggle with alcohol. Husbands, wives, I don't even want to go there, but you know what I'm saying, just this one time. Come on, it won't hurt anything. Just this once. I think Satan must have said pretty much the same thing to Eve right before she picked the forbidden fruit. I know Satan says this to people like us, and he does so daily. And if you give in, just this once, well, you know perfectly well what the tempter is going to say next. He's going to say, well, that wasn't so bad, was it? What say we do it again? And now you're in deep. Now, please... Please do not berate yourself if you've ever given in to something 
just this once. The fact is, we all have. That's why we're here today. We're sinners. And as I said on Ash Wednesday, Jesus has not come to judge, but to save. He's come to pick us up when we fall and build us back up when we crumble. So please do not berate yourself here. But please do not be slow to turn to this Jesus either. Don't be slow to repent and seek what only he can give. Because without him, we're in deep. And I think you know that. Let me skip next to temptation number three. Just because. Temptation three, verse eight. Worship me, said Satan, and I will give you the world. Worship me and I'll give you the world. Now please notice that the world as it stands now evidently belongs to Satan and it's his to give. And Jesus does not dispute the point. Please notice as well that taking the world from Satan is exactly what Jesus came to do. Jesus wants this world. He wants to win it and save it and rescue everybody in it. That's the point of his death and resurrection after all. Jesus came to reclaim the entire world and bring it back to the Father forever. Well, okay, said Satan. You want the world? I'll give you the world, no problem. Just worship me for a little while. I mean, wouldn't that be easier and somewhat less messy than this whole crucifixion thing? In other words, Jesus, said Satan, can I interest you in a shortcut? I want to be clear here. For us as Christians, there are no shortcuts. There is no easy way out. You want to raise your family in faith? Good for you. Set the example yourself. Worship, prayer, Bible study, walking humbly before your God. Do it every day. Do it every week. No shortcuts. No easy way out. You concerned about the moral decline of this nation? Oh my. Me too. But I don't believe for a New York minute that we Christians can lecture our way to a solution. I don't believe we can legislate our way to a solution. We can only love our way to a solution. Reaching out to each and every person we meet, no matter what, no shortcuts. No simply passing a new law or appointing a new judge and thinking, well, we've solved the problem now. Uh Uh-uh. Uh Uh-uh. Instead, we walk the long and often difficult way of compassion and love and personal involvement. Personal involvement, following in the footsteps of Jesus himself every day. What would Jesus do? And how would Jesus do it? Again, what would Jesus do? And not only that, but how would he do it? The kingdom of God, you see, is more than our destination. The kingdom is also the journey there. The journey is long, the cross is difficult, 
Every single day we are presented with what appear to be shortcuts. But you see, that's exactly what Satan presented to Jesus today, a shortcut. And there aren't any. We follow the crucified Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, loving and serving and personally caring about every single human being out there. There is no other way to serve God. There is no other way to reach the kingdom of heaven. There is no other way to win the world. <coughs> Finally, to double back the temptation number two found in verse five. And this I consider very important. That's why I saved it to the end. We understand what is tempting about a loaf of bread when you're hungry. We understand what is tempting about taking the shortcut. What is so tempting about jumping off a building? According to Luther, this right here is actually the most diabolical temptation of all. Because this right here is the temptation to despair. Go jump off a cliff, said Satan to Jesus. See if anybody cares. Jump, you're the son of God. See if God cares. I'm telling you, said Satan. Nobody does. When they put you up on that cross of yours, Jesus, you're going to be all alone. You know that, right? So go ahead and jump, said Satan. See if anybody cares. In this world today, you want to talk about daily reality? You want to talk about daily reality? Let's talk about all the people living without hope. Let's think about all the people hungry and homeless, old and infirm, young, bullied, picked on, smiling, successful, good-looking, chatting politely in church on a Sunday morning. You want to talk about daily reality? Let's talk about all the people living without hope. All the people who quietly believed they could jump off a cliff and nobody would notice. No, not even God. That might just be the single most common temptation in the world today. The temptation to despair. The temptation to give up hope. It's out there and it's in here. And honestly, I could come up with a million different reasons to give up hope. In the end, I can only find one reason to hang on to it. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. He died to forgive us, and on the third day, incredibly enough, he rose again to save us. And Jesus is with us now in the midst of every temptation, every heartache, every cause for despair. He is with us now and will not let us go. He will not give up on us. And because he won't let us go, we're not going to let each other go either. But we'll instead care for one another and keep on caring for one another, come what may. And because he's not giving up on us, we don't have to give up either. Even on our worst days, we can live in hope. And we can share that hope with each other. 
Our answer to despair is the crucified Son of God. Our cause for hope is His resurrection from the dead. We know that when we face the daily realities of temptation and despair, we never have to face them alone, even in Lent. Even in Lent, we don't get to use that word, but we can speak about Easter. Even now, in the midst of a despairing world, we live in the hope that only He can bring. May the hope of this Jesus Christ fill you and sustain you till the day He returns for us once more. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.